Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. My pastors Eric and Heather. Come on, do you love your leaders? And can I can I just say it like this? I didn't say this in the first week, but you're you're spoiled here. You do realize that. Like you're spoiled. You have amazing leadership and just an incredible church and and it, I, I take it from a guy like me, I, I have the privilege of being in churches a lot, and, and not many are like this, I promise you, okay? But sometimes uh, Jesus, I, sometimes I feel like I go to church more than Jesus, because he doesn't go to the churches sometimes I go to until I get there, and so, so it's like, because uh, you think I'm playing, but shut da, 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 da. I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's intense out here, I'll tell you that, but, but uh, man, I'm just so honored to be here, and and, uh, and I really appreciate it. Uh, and yes, my wife and I, we are expecting our fourth baby uh, in June 2016, right before YFN, because we planned that out right. Um, and, uh, but, uh, you know, we're true Hispanics, all right? I, I, told, you, I told the first one, I'm going to tell you that. I, I'm going to be your favorite Mexican by the time we get done with this thing. I'll tell you that. But listen, Hispanics, we start churches, not families, all right? So we're on four. <laughs> so... Pray for me, okay? Um, but let me just tell you my story. I know this is my first time here, so let me just tell you my journey. I'm originally from El Paso, Texas. Does anybody know where El Paso's at? Yeah? Okay, awesome, solid, uh, literally on the other side of Texas. And, uh, and so uh, I grew up in an environment where you might have heard about on the news where they have a lot of uh, uh, kidnappings, trafficking, drug deals, cartels, uh, killing people. All that kind of, well, that's all my cousins. That's all my family. That's... So that's all I knew growing up. And don't let the skinny jeans fool you, all right? I, I'm, not, I'm not from the streets. I'm from the streets, all right? That's a big difference in the way you say that, all right? So that's where I'm from. I'm from where we cut people first and ask questions later, all right? That's where I'm from. So you grow up in that kind of environment, and you, it's not long until you find yourself in a lifestyle of trouble and problems and had a lust problem, had an anger issue, a drug addiction. But I love to play basketball. Does anybody love to play basketball in here? Yeah, or at one time did, love to play basketball in here. Um, and I loved to hoop, and I would go to this church, and, um, and they would open up their gym right before their youth, uh, youth service, and, and then they would shut it down right when service started. So I would show up and play, and then they would say, everybody get in. Well, I would dip and leave. I wouldn't stay. And so I remember uh, one time, I, I remember uh, uh, the youth pastor came up to me and said, hey, do you want to go to church camp? And I said, is there going to be hot women there? Now, I'm a six-year-old little pervert. I have no idea what I'm saying at this time. And he says, well, we're going to go for Jesus. I said, fine, you can go for Jesus. I'm going to get some phone numbers. Yes, I'd like to go to camp. Well, I didn't realize it, but it was a Holy Ghost ambush. On the first night of that camp, I got saved. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I got called into ministry all in the same night. Come on, can you give God glory? And I, I remember I, I was ruined from that point forward. I, I would come back to the best Bible college on the planet, Christ for the Nations Institute, I'm telling you right now. And I, I, listen, they don't pay me to say that, but I do deserve a raise. I'm not going to lie. I deserve it. But I, I tell you this, uh, I, I just loved my time there, and, and uh, it wasn't long until after I met my wife at church, and, and then we got married, and then I got, got blessed with an opportunity to go into corporate America, and I went to internet sales, and, and I streamlined the internet sales process for luxury car companies like Rolls-Royce, and Maserati, and Bentley, and Land Rover, and Jaguar, and we represented every car company except BMW and Lamborghini, so we made financial goals that most people retire at, and we were only 21, 22. I'm telling you, that's a good place to say amen, sure, I'm just telling you right yeah, it may not be you, but it's coming, okay? <laughs> We're going to get you $200,000, $300,000 uh, to, to 
legitimized. Anyways, so uh, I, I remember, you know, I, that was a huge milestone for us because I, I never knew how to make that much money legally. Where I'm from, you, you, you get paid in pillowcases with cash and unmarked bills. <laughs> That's where I'm from. And so uh, I, I remember from that point forward, the Lord would come and ruin all of that. And uh, he would tell me to be a missionary because he's so good <laughs> and faithful. Um, and I remember, I, uh, I, I remember he said, sell everything you have and give away all your money and everything you own, but sell, sell these certain items. And he said, I want you to become a missionary. I said, you become a missionary. <laughs> well, this was in the middle of a civil war. And I remember when we got there, I remember mortar shells blowing up down the road from my house. I remember being shot at and suicide bombers going to the hotel that we stayed in would bomb the hotel. I remember we'd have to change the routes that we take to church every day because these uh, Buddhist mobs would come in and they would light the church on fire and change the doors and, and they would kill the people inside and they were chopping pastors up and all this kind of crazy stuff. But God was raising up his church. It was amazing to see the salvation salvations and the signs and the wonders and the healings and the miracles, just what God was doing. People's limbs were growing out and cancer falling off people's bodies and demons come. People would leave the, from chanting in, in, in the Buddhist temple and walk by a small group that somebody was having in their little home and, and they would come by and all of a sudden they start manifesting in their front yard and they just run out there and start casting the devil out of them and start leading them to Jesus. I mean, it was just like that every day. It just seemed like a new thing every day. And the Lord would call us, Eric and I, back to, uh, uh, to the U.S., and we would take over our youth ministry, and we just had this sweeping revival come through our young people. There was such hunger. I remember our young people, they would stand in the pharmacy aisle at Walmart just to see who was sick and who would come pick up their prescriptions so they knew who to pray for. And that's just, that's just another level of living and thinking. And uh, I, I, I said this at YFN, and maybe some of you guys, how many of you guys have been to YFN? I don't know if a few of you have. I, I, I remember one time I watched a kid cast demons out of his friend and order from McDonald's at the same time. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, you think I'm playing. I watched this thing. I had a half a French fry in my mouth. <laughs> this kid is, you know, I, I want the nuggets to make sure. No, I want a cheeseburger. Make sure I have a cheeseburger. Come out of him right now in Jesus' name. You loose him right now. I want a strawberry shake on that. Make sure you put extra salt. Loose him right now in Jesus. That's exactly how that went. Some multitasking generation <laughs> right here. That's why I love them. And, I, and, and then soon enough, we would get a phone call from Christ for the Nations. They said, man, we love what you're raising up. Can you come do it? See if and I. And man, what an honor it is to be there today. Eric and I just celebrated five years, and we've taken on a new role at overseeing YFN. Now, here's, here's the big kick for me is the same camp I got saved at, I'm now the director of. Is that not cool? God is so faithful and good. But I can't think of a better place to be than right here at One Cause McKinney. Come on, are you excited about being in the house of God this morning? I, and I, I feel like, I, I said this, I feel like a prophetic edge on the message because I feel like God's taking you into new territory. In fact, I feel like he's just been polishing some, some areas in your life. You know, Isaiah 49.2 says, He has polished me like a choice arrow and hidden me in his quiver. Well, the only reason a warrior would polish an arrow and hide that specific arrow is because when he saw that specific target that arrow was assigned to, he knew that he had readied that arrow. And I feel like you're in the hands of your God. And God Almighty is bending back the bow, and you are the arrow, and he's ready to thrust you in your destiny. And I feel like the enemy would love to come and pervert the purpose that he put on your life. So I feel like it's my assignment this morning to trash talk some of your fears and insecurities. Do I have a job this morning? Come on, are you with me this morning? Come on, talk back to me. Listen, if the, if the preaching stinks, if you talk back to me, it might get better. I'm not making any promises, but it might get better. I, I, I don't believe church should be quiet. If you like your church quiet, you are not going to like heaven. You do not want to go. 
<laughs> I'm telling you right now, because there's going to be one mixing up there making as much noise and carne asada as possible, so you might as well get used to it now, all right? Can you talk back to me? Somebody say yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, our, our students, man, they're crazy, especially in youth ministry. They walk, they'd say the weirdest stuff to me. Like, I'd be preaching, and they'd be like, that's dirty, Pastor Chris. That's dirty. Come on, get it, son. Walk the dog. They said, walk the dog. Walk that dog. Walk it. Walk that dog. We were reaching lost people, too, and they were cussing as, as a way of saying amen. Where else do you want them? Come on, they're in church. Thank God. That's what we need to celebrate. But I remember a couple of, uh, beep, yeah. I didn't know what to do the first time that happened. Your heart's right. We're going to smooth out that edge, though. We're going to smooth out that edge. <laughs> it was intense, all right? But are you ready for the word? Somebody say yes. All right, turn on your Bible to Daniel 6. Turn it on. I know what generation I'm talking to. Turn on your Bible, Daniel chapter 6. And for the sake of time, find 2 Corinthians 2. It was funny, Pastor Eric leaned over to me and goes, what's, what's that? I'm like, well, they had these things called books that they wrote this in. And now I have more Bibles on my iPad. There's some churches that won't let me preach unless I take a Bible up to the pulpit. That's, you know what that's called? That's called the spirit of stupid. That's what that's called. All right. Daniel chapter 6. Are you there? Somebody say yes. All right, Daniel chapter 6. I want to give you some background because we're going to parachute and end up in the middle of a situation. Daniel has been carried off into Babylon. And the Babylonian Empire is the ruling empire of this time in the known world. And several times while he's there, he's tempted to defile himself from, from anything, even eating food that's offered to idols, to, to uh, having uh, interruptions with his, with, with his relationship with the Lord. But Daniel doesn't just have a gifting. He's got some class with his gifting. I, I love gifted people. We need talented people. Come on, don't sing. Don't be a worship leader if you can't sing. Just help the church out. Please just sit down. All right, don't I've had to tell worship leaders that. You think I'm good? No. <laughs> you know, but I, I honestly, I love gifting. I love talent. I really do. But I want some character with your talent. I want some gifting that, dis, that, that has a greater uh, integrity behind it. And, and this is Daniel. Daniel, is a, he can interpret dreams. And he's so submitted and very honoring. In fact, this is one of the main reasons that he gets promoted. And so he gets in front of this king in a short amount of time, King Darius. So we read here in Daniel chapter uh, 6, verse 1. It says, it pleased King Darius to set over the kingdom 120 rulers, satraps, rulers, to be over the whole kingdom, verse 2, and over these Three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the rulers would give account to them so the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself. Everybody say that. Say it one more time. Distinguished. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and rulers because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now look up at me for a second. We're going to take several. We're going to tap the brakes a little bit. Here's Daniel. And he has distinguished himself. Well, you got to ask this question. How did he do that? Well, you'll find out in Daniel chapter, six, or Daniel chapter 1, verse 20. It says, in all matters of wisdom and justice, Daniel's friends were found to be 10 times greater. Now, listen, this is 10 times greater than anything that You understand that Daniel, who he's measured against, these advisors, these rulers, these counselors, these guys have been born in the right families. They have gone to the right schools. They have made the right career choices to be in the court of the king. And yet this slave boy uh, comes in, is found to be ten times greater, and all he has is a covenant with God. Are you following me? I, I, I feel like 
that, that, that would be extremely, that would be like me, this would be extremely frustrating, if I were to go into a courtroom and be able to win my case against someone who graduated from Harvard. Are you following me? That's exactly what's happening. So it stirs up all this jealousy, and this is what begins to happen. Look at verse 4. So the governors and rulers sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. And they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we will not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it concerning the law of his God. Look up at me again. This is interesting. I, I, I pray the only thing you're guilty of is the same thing Daniel's guilty of, and that is loving God with all of your heart. Because that's all they can find that's wrong, wrong with him. Are you following me? This, this, uh, you know you're doing good ministry. You know you're living out the purposes of your life. You know you are taking ground, not when the church is mad at you, but when the world has a problem with you, that's when you know you're doing good ministry, right? Look at this, look at verse, look at verse six. So these governors and rulers petitioned before the king and said thus to King Darius, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the rulers, the counselors, advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be uh, changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Let's pray this morning. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would give us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We don't want just more. We want deeper. We don't want just deeper. We want to be able to sustain it, God. And I pray that I just come against cycles right now where we get to this point and all of a sudden something falls apart or the bottom falls out or things don't just happen the way they should and we live in this revival cycle. God, I come against that right now and I pray for revival lifestyles. God, I take every limit, restriction, every barrier off of the people of God this morning every man and woman father and I say they are loosed in their destiny I speak to this atmosphere and I say that you are full of faith and that you are full of hope and that you are consumed with peace and that your God is working on your behalf and the enemy can't have another word about it because God's will and purposes have been undefeated since the beginning of time and he is still operating in his goodness and I break the lies of the enemy that would come and try to harass you they would try to lie to you, to try to get you to settle and get comfortable, God, that you would put something on the inside of us, Father, that we begin to have a holy discomfort that I've got to have more, and I've got to see God do more, and I've got to have God more in my life. Lord, I thank you that you are raising up voices, men and women. You're raising up marriages. You're raising up families. You're raising up businesses. This is not the hour for one man or one woman, but it's the hour of the church, God. Establish your work right here in one cause establish in McKinney that it would be a Holy Ghost takeover, God, and you would thrust this church into their destiny in greater ways. Father, I thank you for this church and the people in it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. I feel like preaching this morning, I'll tell you that. I'm calling this message, Distinguish Yourself. Distinguish Yourself. I I remember when Eric and I were missionaries in Sri Lanka, and you know, we're in the middle of all this turmoil, being shot at, trying to be killed, and and, and somewhat kidnapped, and it was intense. And, and I remember one day the Lord, uh, the Lord would speak to my wife, and he came to her, and, he's, and, and my wife came to me. And she said, listen, I've been praying, and I feel like the Lord wants us to have kids. And I said, woman, they want to kill us, and you want to make more of us. Like, this is not the way this works. She says, listen, this is God. I, I feel it. So I do what anybody would do in the church 
when you don't want to do what somebody's asking you to do, right? So I just say, well, I'll pray about it, which we all know is a Christian, no. We just don't have the heart to tell you no, right? Because you're so convicted about it, and we're like, that, no, right? So, and let me just help you out. If you ever bring an idea to somebody and you go, man, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be awesome if we did this? And they start with, well, bless your heart. Let's pray about it. What they're really saying is, that's stupid, and no. That's what they're saying. So my wife says, hey, we should pray about having kids. And I said, well, bless your heart. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I said, uh, she, I said let's pray about it. So I did what anybody would do. I didn't pray about it. You ever, you ever had the Lord do that to you? I remember, I, I can't tell you how many times I've pretended to pray about things. You ever pretended to pray? You ever pretended to worship? I bet you if I looked around earlier this morning, some of you have been right there, and you're thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch. <laughs> right? So this is kind of what I'm into. And uh, some of you are like, I did that this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, uh, I, I remember for 14 days, every day, the Lord would come in to my prayer closet. I would take one foot in, and he would always say, Let's talk about your kids. And I would say, no, let's talk about revival and how we're going to spread that through the nation next day. Let's talk about your kids. Let's talk about church structure. we got to raise up leaders and, and all that. Let's talk about your No, we got to talk about discipleship. How are we going to raise up your disciples, God? You know, that, that kind of stuff. And, and I remember on the 14th day, I walked into my prayer closet. And I remember he shouted this in my spirit. He said, I need your son on the earth now. I was you, you ain't got to yell at me like that, okay? You need to control yourself just a little bit better. I wish there would be some more composure from you. And I, I, I have a very honest relationship with the Lord. I, sometimes I feel like we tell him what he, we think he wants to hear instead of what David said, pour out your heart to God. So I, 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 he said, I need your son on the earth now. So I believe in quick obedience. Telling you right now, I'm faithful. I'll tell you that. <laughs> At least four times. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so I remember. I, I, listen, I believe that when when you were born, all of heaven said she's on the earth now. I believe that when you were born, they all of heaven said they're on the earth now. We can finally complete this assignment. We finally have the right pieces. We finally have the right people. We have the right gifting. We have the right mix. When one cause started to come about, God would say, we finally have that church in McKinney. They're on the earth now. They're meeting now. They're operating now. This is how you distinguish yourself. When you understand that you are called and you are purposed and the enemy can't do anything about it and your past has no say in it and it doesn't matter what limits and restrict, God can make up every bit of the rest that you lack in any moment, in any season. You don't have to be qualified. You don't have to be ready. I feel like one of the biggest lies of the enemy is I want to feel ready. You'll never feel ready, ever. This is good prophetic ministry right here. I said that this morning. Receive that word. You'll never be ready right now. Just receive it. You'll never be ready. Fine, you want to take a test? We'll take a test. We'll take a, we'll take a good test. How many of you were ready to be married? Nailed it. Thank you. All the single people are like me. Put your hand down. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's be honest. Listen, I wasn't ready for all that my beautiful wife had. She wasn't ready for all this good stuff right here. You're not ready. Right? I'm, okay. How many are ready to have kids? Let's be, half the time you don't know if you're helping them out or messing them up. And they're going to end up on Oprah, and you'll find out. That's how, that, come on, let's be honest, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. How many of you are ready when God interrupted your life and said, I want you to do this? You will never be ready. The Bible is not full of people that had a plan. Okay. 
Noah, go build a boat where there's no water. Are you following? Oh. David, go kill a giant with no armor. Right? Hey, Moses, just hit the rock and water's going to come out. Either you're smoking too much of what you're selling or you're just never going to be ready when God starts to speak to you. And I'm here to tell you this morning that it's time to distinguish yourself. And I feel like if we're going to do that, then we need to understand a few things. Number one, you need to strive and believe and confess and start to worship like it's ten times greater for you. The Bible says in Daniel 1.20 that in all matters of wisdom and justice that Daniel and his friends were found to be ten times greater. And that was under an old covenant, over an old way of doing things. How much more on this side of the cross Daniel wished he was living in these days. Daniel wished he could have these moments with the access that you and I have. How much more with Holy Spirit? Ten times greater. I, I remember when we in Sri Lanka and we took a day off and uh, we went to this elephant orphanage. This is a big, pretty well-known elephant orphanage because they had this one particular elephant that only had three legs. Uh, when, when, when this elephant was walking through the jungle, it stepped on a landmine in the middle of the Civil War and it blew off one of its legs. Well, the rescuers got there in time, was able to save its life, but not its leg. And so everybody would fly around the world to see like this three-legged elephant, you know, and just be, I'm not twerking, okay, just you know, sitting in this <laughs> elephant come around like this. And so uh, I remember, I, I, I remember like this is back when we had disposable cameras we didn't have cameras on our phones anybody remember these days what did we ever do like like how do we get those good shots right and these were the type where you know after you take a picture you have to cut open your thumb to to get to the neck because you had to you know erase your blue your basically your fingerprint just to take a picture uh, and then when you wanted to flash you had to wait for the little beep, come come on you remember that and you had to hear it and then you had to do it all in sequence like you had to hold that down and break your fingernail to get there then you had to break your wrist and get carpal tunnel just to take the picture. Do you remember this? So you're sitting there and you're trying to do this. And so, I, I mean, I remember I paid so much money to go into this. I'm like, we're going we're gonna to do more than name the elephant. Listen, we're going to do more than take pictures. We're going to name the elephant. We're going to ride the elephant. I'm going to give it a bath, a haircut, and a, and a medipedi if I want to because that's my elephant for the next 20 minutes. That, belong, that thing belongs to me. I'll, I'll give it its leg. You know, because I, I, I paid so much money. and Because, uh, you know, there's the local rate and the foreigner rate. And so... I remember I'm sitting there and I see this herd of elephants. I'm like, fine, it's the moment. So I'm sitting there, you know, retarded. And so I'm sitting there and trying to do this. And I remember everybody starts to leave as this three-legged elephant comes by. And I'm thinking, hey, we paid a lot of money for this. Y'all better get over here. I ain't wasting my money or my disposable pictures. I ain't wasting nothing. I'm sitting there and people are leaving because this guy behind me is saying, hey, does anybody want to see a magic trick? You want to see a magic trick? Come on. Come on, come around. I'm going to do a little magic show. Everybody come on. You want to see a magic trick? And so I told Eric, I said, hey, hey, I want, I want to see a magic trick. You, you want to see a magic trick? And so we walk over there. And this guy walks up to, as I'm walking up, he tells this, this little kid. He says, hey, uh, just choose one finger, any finger, any finger. And this kid goes, that one. And he goes, ah, ah, and blisters pop out all over his finger. I'm thinking, hey, I don't know about all that right there. And then he goes, now watch this. And boom, blisters pop out over his hand. I'm thinking, hey, go get that looked at. That ain't normal. And I, I remember he said, hey, take this doll. And, and he gave it to this woman. She said, do whatever you want to. My body will do it. So she took this doll and twisted the arm over three times. And I watched his arm bend over three times without breaking. I watched the back of his head touch the back of his heels as she bent that doll over. I remember he took a long needle. He says, like, watch this. And he takes this needle and he just goes straight back with this needle and starts to swallow this needle just like this. And, I, and he lifted up his shirt, and the needle started to come out of his belly, just like that. 
I, I wanted to play with him, you know, just to see. <laughs> and, I, and I remember, as soon as I saw that, I felt the temptation, the lies of the enemy come on. And my thoughts began to be harassed again, uh, like never before. And, and I remember the, the enemy telling me, can you do that? Can your God do that? Are you, are you that good? Can you do, are you that powerful? Can you do that? So, I, I mean, I checked in with Evan. I was like, hey, is, is that legal? Like, can we do that? <laughs> is that a foul? And, uh, and I, I said, Lord, because that's powerful. And he laughed at me. I said, Lord, that's powerful. And he goes, <laughs> I wonder if he laughs at us a lot more than we realize. You do recognize that God doesn't want to just grow you by tears. He also wants to grow you by joy. Right? So he says, I remember, I, I heard, uh, he laughed at me. Lord, that's powerful. <laughs> I wonder if he brings all of heaven together. And I, Lord, that's powerful. <laughs> Gabriel, Michael, come here. Look at this dude. Chris, do it again. Do, do it again. Do, say it again. That's powerful. <laughs> I feel like that's my life. I remember feeling, telling the Lord, that's powerful. And he says, he says, that's not powerful. I said, apparently you didn't see the needle thing. That's powerful. He said, son, that's not powerful. He said, all that man can do is impress a crowd, but he can't save anyone in that crowd. I'm here to tell you that I'm done trying to impress a culture and a generation with some of the greatest stuff. We have a lot of sizzle, but not a lot of substance. And we, listen, this generation, and I love you guys, but you're too easily impressed. I wish you'd put a greater demand on some of the voices that were in your life, that they, you wanted to make sure they had some character and they loved their wives, that it wasn't just all flowers and cupcakes and rainbows up here on a platform, but they, did, they, they, got, they got into the thick of it. I, 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 it's like this. I have ladies who are like, I want a knight in shining armor. I want my husband. I want a knight in shining armor. I'm like, oh, no, I don't. I ain't gay or nothing, but no, I don't. That's, I, I, no, I wouldn't. Because a man, a man in shining armor hasn't had his medal tested. And I want to know that you've been through that. I want to know that you're submitted. I want to know you've gone through that. That's how you get 10 times greater. It's not, listen, 10 times greater is a part of the journey. It's not the arrival point. And I feel like for us in the church, we feel two steps behind the world because we're busy trying to scrounge over just the little scraps that fall off the culture's table. I don't want that anymore. I want to be 10 times, listen, I want to be 10 times more intuitive. I want to be 10 times more creative. We ought to be setting the pace and the way and blazing the trail for the world that they cannot keep up with us and they must be wondering, how does that architect get those designs? And how does that teacher be able to produce that much in their kids? And how does that pastor be able to call such greatness out of the most broken places and the world's coming to you and counselors are coming to you and presidents and kingdoms and structures and organizations say, how are you doing that? And all you can say is that Jesus is working in my life and I just do exactly what he tells me to do. We ought to be 10 times more intuitive. We ought to be 10 times more loving, hello, 10 times more forgiving than the world. I have found people in the church are the worst to make a mistake in front of. That's pretty good, Pastor Chris. That's true. That's, that's real good. That's true. What about 10 times more patient? No, I'm good there, brother. I, I, I got patience. Really? Let's go watch you in traffic on 75. We're going to find out how saved you are then, Right? Somebody like, man, about 8 a.m., I'm barely saved. I know I'm barely saved. God loves my heart. <laughs> I think it's time to be 10 times greater. I think it's time to stop settling. See, the, the truth is, is we get a little bit of breakthrough, and we think that's the full thing. And sometimes what God wants you to do is learn how to sustain the little that he's given so he can add more to it later. You have to learn for 10 times greater to happen. The second thing is guard your source. If you want to distinguish yourself, 
You want to have ten times greater. Guard your source. I told you at the beginning, several times, several attempts are made on Daniel's life to damage his relationship with his God. Now the plan is to cut off his communication. Remember, no man, no, no one can seek another man or pray to another God unless it's you, O King Darius, for 30 days. And if they do that, then we get to kill him by throwing him in the lion's den. Now this is interesting because it's just an attempt to cut off the communication. And so if they, listen, they know if I can cut him off from his source, source, then I can trap him and then he'll become powerless. This, this reminds me of a plan of the enemy. You know, the enemy's plans don't change. It says, that to, to, it says that we are not outsmarted by the devil's schemes. In other words, his replays. He doesn't have a new highlight reel. He just keeps doing the same old tricks. He does the same thing in the New Testament. You'll find in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says that very familiar piece of uh, passage. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. Now watch this, verse 5. Casting down imaginations. Everybody say imaginations. imaginations. Say it one more time for him. Imaginations. imaginations. He says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That word imaginations is the Greek word diatribo. And diatribo uh, literally means to erase. It's where we would get our English word diatribe. Now, not everybody's using the word diatribe. I mean, this, it's not like people are using that in modern vernacular today. It's not like, hey, diatribe, dude, diatribe, baby, diatribe. N nobody says that, okay? But really, the only time you'll find diatribe is actually in a courtroom. My sister's an attorney. I checked on this, and she said, yeah, it's a diatribe method. What a diatribe is, it is a forceful and bitter verbal attack against someone or something. Now, let's read this verse knowing that, right? And casting down forceful and bitter verbal attacks against you and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. What is it trying to do? Those diatribes are trying to erase the knowledge of God on your life. They're trying to erase the truth that you know. It's trying to erase the promises he's given you. It's trying to erase the past victories that you had that were testimonies and saying, no, that's not true, that was emotional, that was just a phase. Those are diatribes. Friend, I'm telling you, the only thing the enemy can do to you right now is lie to you. That's it. On this side, once you surrender your life to Jesus, he cannot touch you. He cannot put sickness and disease on you. He cannot put bad times. A lot of people think, man, I, I, I got a flat tire. It's probably because I didn't tithe. No, you, you got a flat tire because all the air left. Are you following me? All he can do is lie to you. It's you that you, listen, you can find as much bondage as you want right here. And you can also find as much freedom as you want right here. It's all about the mindset. And the enemy loves to come and pervert the thoughts. Not every thought that comes into your head is from heaven. Not everything you think. Come on, let's just be amen. That's a good place to say amen. Especially when you watch a cowboy game. I don't, I'm praying right now. I'm, I, I'm legitimately calling a fast next week if we lose. These diatribes, they try to erase the knowledge of God's goodness off of your life. They try to erase his opportunities and even his, even his authority off of your life. I've watched diatribes drive some amazing leaders right into insecurity and shame and addictions, distractions, simply because they believed a lie. You know, it, it, it's interesting that diatribes cause us to be ineffective and unproductive. And we cannot, listen, you cannot expect to produce the least 10 times greater or the more in the new covenant if you live under a diatribe. I wrote down some different diatribes that I just thought might, might minister to you. One diatribe I always hear is, who I am is not good enough. 
diatribe as if God made a mistake. He does not make mistakes. You do realize that his timing is flawless. He's never too early and he's never too late. He is always right there. Even when he speaks his word, do you realize that there was no better time than the opportune time that's right in front of him to speak that word? I I like Jesus' timing because he says, I am yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, some of us, listen, some of us are caught up in the yesterdays of God. The good old days. Well, I remember when, and I remember how, and I remember, you know, I, I, I have people, because I work with young people a lot, and uh, I get into some, some of these meetings, and some of them say, well, I, why can't we get the young people to be like us when we were in the 70s and the 80s? And I'm like, never, because that's what God was doing then. Listen, I, I am watching a generation, I watched a generation that went ahead of me, and they produced an anointing and a, and a movement in, in suits and ties, and it was beautiful. But I'm watching the same anointing, the same move, the same message happen with people in skinny jeans and Jordans. I care about the message, not the method. Are you with me? I, 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 listen, I don't believe that for one second that who you are somehow God said, oh man, I put them on the earth. They didn't get this yet. Do you realize that he only brings you to the battles you're ready to win? Okay, you remember when he delivered Israel out of Egypt? It says that he would have taken them by, I'm sorry, uh, Jacob, uh, yeah, Israel. When he takes them out of Egypt, what happens? He takes them by, he would have taken them through the land of the Philistines because it was a shorter route. But he knew if if they saw the Philistines, the Philistines would come out and make war with Israel. And he said, lest they turn back and go back to Egypt, they're not ready for this battle. And he brought them into the desert. He only brings you the battles you're ready to win. Let me me just give you another diatribe. Uh, Here's another one. What I have to offer is not good enough. I find that God does a lot of that. Let me, let me put you like this. Do you remember when Jesus is sitting there and, and uh, he has to multiply the food, right? And what does he do? He takes the five loaves and the two fish and what does it say? He gives thanks, right? And he's thank, what is he thanking for? What's not enough. But have you noticed every time he multiplied food, there was always more left over than when he began with? Yeah. Listen, until you're thankful for what's not enough, You'll never know what it's like to be thankful when you have more than enough. I promise you that. What you have in your hands is perfectly enough, able, truth for God to be able to do exactly what he needs to do. You just need to guard your source. I've had a lot of people tell me, I tell them, man, God's moving today. Well, apparently you didn't read the paper. Apparently you didn't say about all this stuff. Apparently you didn't, ISIS and all this kind of stuff. I mean, all, you apparently you didn't do that. I'm like, well, we're, I, I think God's moving. Well, well I, where are you getting this information? Well, I'm watching this news channel. I'm reading this newspaper. Well, I see why. You're under a diatribe. Because I'm listening in. I'm leaning into the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm reading his word. You, listen, it is impossible for you to follow after the things of God and not have this in your life. It is impossible. You cannot have that. Here's, here's another time. Look, for young people. I was told when I got saved, because it was so radical and I was so young, they said, this is just a phase. You'll be passionate and then it'll wear off you in a season. Well, I've been going pretty strong now for about 15 years. So either I'm just a, a grown, I'm a man child, or I've just learned to trust the Lord with all of my life. Young people, don't, don't let anyone tell you, oh, it's just a phase. It's not a phase. It was a transformed moment that I had an encounter with God Almighty, and he began to move in my life, and I watched myself do things that I don't know how it happened, and I'm, he still asked me to do things that I don't know how I'm qualified for, but I just know that I'm not here to improve or to impress or somehow try to impress everybody around me. I'm just here to guard my source. It's not a phase. Don't let people tell you that it's, it, it, it's not. You don't have to impress anybody. Nobody's asking you for that. Here's another one. 
just be normal. <laughs> I mean, I broke the mold. <laughs> the truth is, if God wanted you to be normal, then he gave you the wrong book. And he gave you the wrong spirit. And he gave you the wrong truth. He's ruined you for normal. You cannot live that way. What, what, about, what about this one? I have all I need, so why do I need Jesus? Because he's the only one that can fill empty places. I, I, you know, when I, when I found the Lord and I really started to read his word, I, I, uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't read the word to, to prepare a message or perfect a ministry. I, I read the word because I was drowning and I needed a lifeline. And I, I was tired of man's thoughts and ways and their fluff and their fodder. I was tired of that. And I wanted something. There are words that are so powerful in the Bible. They're stronger than therapy. They're stronger than prescriptions. And the only way they remain that way is if you guard your source. Just guard your source. This gospel is not hard. It's not complicated. See, even Paul warned us, don't lose the simplicity that's in Christ. Do you realize a diatribe will lead you to ask things from God that he does not have? Let me put you like, God, give me boldness. He doesn't give you boldness. He develops boldness. God, give me patience. He doesn't give you patience. He develops patience. Some of you have prayed yourself frustrated because you're under a diatribe. You've got to guard your source. I have found most people, when they're frustrated with their spiritual walk, they're frustrated with the Lord, they're not getting answers, they're not walking in the power that they want or the truth that they want, or they're just not having those burning moments, they're just under a diatribe. What's the lie that you're believing right now? Well, I feel like if I don't have this, then, I'm not the, then he's not that. Well, where does it say that? Guard your source. Are you with me? Somebody say yes. Let me, let me say this. God will only give you what you will jealously guard. If you will not jealously guard it, he will not give it to you. Guard your source. Here's the last thing. If you're going to distinguish yourself, if you're going to distinguish yourself, then distinguish yourself. Make it. Here's Daniel, right? It says, I, I like what he does in Daniel chapter 10. It says, as soon as he heard, I'll quote it for you, as soon as he heard that the decree had been signed, that he went to his house, he went to the top uh, place in his house, top floor, and he opened up the windows and he prayed three times that day, knowing that people would notice him. Three times. You follow me? Three times. Knowing that he would be caught. So obviously they arrest him because his decree was written. You'll find that King Darius was sickened over it. He was sad over the fact that Daniel was caught and because he knew Daniel would not budge. Daniel knew who his source was. And what he, Daniel was saying was, it doesn't matter if you make it illegal. It doesn't matter if you threaten me with death. I will not disconnect from my source because if I do that, I have already died and I have already given up and I've handed that over to the enemy. Are you following me? So what does he do? He prays three times. And, and I like Daniel. Did you watch the Bible series uh, uh, two, uh, two years ago when it came out? That's where I learned Samson was black. I had no idea. It was awesome. I mean, it's possible. I just had no idea. I, I grew up, listen, I, I grew up in, 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 in the hood, and, and so, I, you know, I was around all kinds of people. I was around whipped cream, white people. I was around whipped cream, chocolate, caramel, which is Mexican. We're just one big Sunday. That's who we are. Some of us taste better than others. That's all. Pick your flavor. <laughs> you know, it's interesting Daniel, he's, if you watch the, the show, I'm not hating on the show, but he want, they're about to push him into the lion's den, 
And he's sitting there and he's afraid and he's trembling and, and these guys are pushing him. He's pushing back against them on the movie and he's trying to push back and, and they shove him in the lion's den. Well, I don't think that's how Daniel went in. I, I don't think so. Because he knew what he was doing. He got up in those windows, opened all of them, prayed three times. I believe that when they're like, hey, time to go in the lion's den. Fine, shoot. I mean, I think he jumped in. I think he walked over a lion and said, that's my spot. Move. Get, get out the way. Go sit over there. You, you be quiet. I'm about to take a nap. You understand what I'm telling you? There's this like confidence that comes on you when you start operating with God's will and staying in his purpose that you, listen, diatribes cannot erase that if you will stay connected to your source. It doesn't matter if you end up in a lion's den. I, 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 think, I, I really think there was a confidence in Daniel. You throw me in the lion's den, but I brought a bigger lion in here with me. You can throw me to wolves, but my God knows how to smell wolves out of sheep and sheep out of wolves. Are you with me? You can throw me to whatever you want to. You can put me in whoever you want me, but I will not live intimidated because he was going to guard his source. That is how he distinguished himself. People ask all the time, how, how do you make it? How do, you, how, how do you get promoted? Listen, you don't hint drop your way there. You don't cut corners there. You just stay connected to your source. If you can begin to do this really good, you'll outperform anybody that's out there, saved or not. Your resume will stand out to everyone else. Your skill set, your gifting, your talent, your vision, everything will stand out because there's a favor that comes on you. It's time to distinguish yourself. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 